I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. One of my goals with this podcast is to highlight people who have gifts that can bring us joy as we push through this pandemic. And nothing brings joy like good music something we need more than ever as we go through these hard times. My guest today is the lead singer-songwriter with Loud as Funk and has performed on Simon Cowell's X Factor USA. She's been the opening act for Estelle, Patti LaBelle, Macy Gray, Jennifer Lewis, Cedric the Entertainer, and many more. On this edition of SoCal Voices, she discusses her musical journey. Hers is a story that will inspire and encourage others to pursue your dream. Ms. Myra Washington, a.k.a. DJ Karma Camille. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, girl. Thank you. (laughs) It's funny hearing people talk talk about you without you talking about you. So I get chills when I hear that. It's like encouraging myself. I appreciate you giving me this platform, too, as well. I really do. Thank you so much. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. I'm so glad you're here. So you started your musical journey in Port Arthur, Texas, Mm -hmm. as the child of not one, but Mm -hmm. two church pastors. You started in church. Girl, talk about that. Yes. I'm the first of four children, but when I was growing up, when I was, I was the first child for a while. So like from one to probably like five, I would say my parents were just going to church. We, we were just uh, Christians and we would go to church, but then they kind of made that switch over to being uh, preachers and in a pastoral position. And so it was, <laughs> wasn't my choice. I didn't want to, I didn't, I don't like, I don't think people really understand being a preacher's child because at the time I was a child, it didn't matter. But as I start to grow up, you kind of get uh, speculated and then it's like you people have an expectation of what you should and shouldn't act like or should and shouldn't be. And that you don't get to be an individual. It's, you're more like, oh, that's Pastor Washington's daughter. Oh, that's called Pastor Washington's. And I'm Myra. I'm Myra, please. So um, but I am so grateful for that experience growing up in church because my mom forced me to sing. I am still kind of shy, but back then I was really, really shy. And she used to tell me, if you don't get up there on that stage, I'm going to take you in the back of that church and it's going to be you and me. And I'm from the South now. I'm from Texas. So <laughs> I like, you don't want to play with no mother from Texas because they don't play. Okay. It ain't no such thing as child abuse. <laughs> so um, she forced me and I hated her for it. But now I am so grateful that she, she made me and she, she believed in what I had. Hmm. And so what did you have? What did you start doing first in church? I started singing in the choir. And then she kind of made me, forced me to sing lead. And for me, it's like me singing lead out in front. And, you know, it's that scary. Like, oh, my God, like everybody's looking at me. I already feel judged. So now they they get to examine and judge me at the same time. Um, But I feel like I I feel like at the time I had um, she could hear a tone that I had that the other kids my age didn't have. So she just made me, she pushed me, Mm -hmm. pushed me. So I appreciate her for that. Mm -hmm. When you started performing, you're still, still a young person. When did it really click with you that, Oh, I I can do this. And what did you really like singing? What, what, what was the kind of stuff you enjoyed? So growing up in the church was, of course, it was gospel 24 seven. I think when Christians first find their, their Christianity and find their, their place with God, it's like 
it's really, really straight. It's like, we don't listen to that secular music in here. The only thing we were allowed to listen to was love songs. So my tone came from Luther Vandross, um, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight, anything that was about love and not just about having a party. So those are the, those are the, the sounds that kind of, that I kind of attracted myself to and, and took a note of. And so that's why I kind of have that low, like rich sound. But that was the thing that kind of made me, I, I didn't know that I wanted to, I wanted to be a singer. I just, at the time when I was younger, I didn't know that I wanted to be a performer because I was shy all the way up until I got mm-hmm. to LA. <laughs> I was like, listen, Myra, mm-hmm. I had to talk with myself. I was like, girl, look, Myra, the closed mouth don't get fed, sis. So you can go and, and sit in the corner if you want to, but there's 50 million other people out here hungry and ready to do whatever it takes. So you better open your mouth. So yeah. 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 So you went to school, you went to college. Mm-hmm. I graduated from Prairie View A&M. Mm-hmm. What did you study? Radio TV communications. Hey, my girl. All right. Yes. <laughs> That's my, that was mine. That was my backup plan. By the time I got to college, I knew that I didn't want to, I knew that I wanted to be a singer, but I also knew that I had to get out of my mom's house. <laughs> And uh, college was like the way to go. And not only that, but I knew that I had to, I, I'm a, I'm a backup kind of person. So I don't want to just, if, in case this doesn't work out, at least I have my degree to fall on. So it kind of pushed me out of the shy mode and gave me like a little bit of push to get in front of the camera and articulate and speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And being around other folks, uh, it, it always broadens your uh, perspective. You meet new people, you see some other stuff. And it, it only grows the thing that you really, really want to do. So did you perform uh, while you were in college? Did you do shows and, and, and stuff like that? Um, not too many shows. I was in the choir for a little while, but I didn't really start performing live with the band until I graduated. And, you know, Preview is right outside of Houston. So um, it was only natural for me to just say, you know, after graduation, I moved to Houston. And then that's where I started really honing my craft because I met Rick Marcel, which is my ex-husband. I met him. He was playing at one of the top clubs in Houston called Scott Gertner Sky Bar. Scott Gertner Sky Bar is, mm-hmm. was like on a penthouse level overview of the city. It was the hottest place to be. Like any celebrity or musician that came to town knew that where we're going to go tonight, you're going to go to Scott Gertner Sky Bar. So that was like where I, I was able to get my foot in the door and literally learn from him and watch him. Because since we weren't exposed to rock and roll or the people that I love the most, like Tina Turner or Prince, my mom would not let me listen to Prince to save my life. She wouldn't let me listen to Madonna. <laughs> and now <laughs> all of these people started like, I'm like, who, wait, who is that? Who is this? I need to, I'm soaking this in. And so now I'm, I'm like, I'm getting, it's literally like learning on the job. And it was something that it, it was inside of me because I've never been scared to, I'm shy when I'm off stage. And when it's almost like something comes over me when I, when that microphone gets in my hand, it's a whole nother person. Mm-hmm. And I've always been that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, being in Houston, starting at the Sky, sky Bar, that's what kind of gave me my my confidence and and just the foundation to start entertaining. 
When did you decide that uh, you needed to head further west? You, you wanted to be in L.A. How did that start? Well, what happened was, we, so we were playing these, this club. We were, he, Scott Gertner, the owner, he had a band, but we were like the only other band that was playing. And I, I would have such an amazing time. And I, I felt that I was feeding people. And when I say feeding, I mean, just kind of like, I feel like music is a healer. And so I, I was giving them what they needed for me. And I was never getting anything back in return. And it, it, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but it's almost I like, do. I do. Okay. So I was, I was doing this every night. I was leaving my heart on stage. And then when I get home, I would be mm-hmm. like, I feel empty. I feel like I did all this work and I have nothing to show for it. So I was like, I started talking to him. I'm like, Hey, we need to move to LA. Cause he's an, he's an amazing performer too. He's, He's performed with, uh, he's subbed for Ernie Isley. He, he's toured with Cool in the Game, Cameo. I mean, wow. Stephanie Mill, anybody of that, in that genre, he's been, he's been with. So I think he was apprehensive because he was, he didn't want to be a little fish in a big pond. Oh, yeah. And so he would always say, he was like, no. Cause we were like local celebrities. Everybody knew us there. We would go places and people were like, Oh, don't worry. We got your meal. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, listen, I'm, I'm leaving and you're more than welcome to come. But if you don't want to come, I'll be back in a couple months. So I would just come here for a few months, go home for a few months to make money, come back. I did that for about a year. And then I finally just decided to, it was cheaper to, to have a place permanently. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would ask him to come. He didn't want to come. So then um, the club closed and he had no choice but to come because that was like our primary source of income. Mm-hmm. And it turned out so good for him. I'm glad that he I'm glad that it happened that way. And um, it just that was just the, the pivotal moment that I was just like, I need to I need to at least try to be in front of people that can try to propel my career instead of just having a good time every night. You know, I can have a good time there and still try to be in the way of the blessings for, for my career. So you felt like being in LA would push you further you to achieve mm-hmm. what you really wanted to Absolutely. achieve. Other people around you doing the thing that you want to do. Uh, some of them really crushing it, doing it Absolutely. super well. And um, it's it's inspiration and, and you kept pushing. So when you got to LA, even during this time when you were commuting and before you you decided to stay, what kind of challenges did you experience? Was were there adjustment issues or did you have some other difficulties? You know, um, honestly, the biggest thing is just me being. I, I'm a. I don't like pressuring people to do what they don't want to do. But here, you literally have to push yourself on people in order for them to listen to you or hear what it is that you can do. And then once they get a taste of what it is that you can do, then they listen. I guess because so many people are, you know, here and trying to do the exact same thing. But um, I tell the story of when I started just trying to find a gig here. First of all, when I came, gigs were like pay to play. And I was like, I am not playing anybody to play. Like, I'm not doing that. I need to find a place that is willing to pay me 
or even if I paid, if I played for free, I didn't mind for the exposure, but I'm not going to pay right. you to let me have your stage when you need entertainment. Exactly. So I would go to Stevie's Creole Cafe. Do you oh. know? Do you know Stevie's Creole Cafe? I've heard of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I used to go there like, and back then, oh my God, every single, every black celebrity that you can ever think of was hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was an amazing vibe. The food was great. The band was always every weekend. I would go there and I would like literally try to find Stevie <laughs> and he would never come out. Like he didn't want nobody to talk to him. He was like one of those kind of people. Like he's watching the cameras. He see what's going on. He's mm-hmm. like, Mm-mm. I would call. They were like, who is this? I was like, Myra Washington. Stevie's not here. Click. Wow. God provided a way for me to, to kind of go through the back door mm-hmm. by um, this promoter that I had just started DJing, like literally before, right before I left LA. I mean, Houston. I was DJing for like three months. I really didn't know too much of what I was doing, but he found out that I was DJing because hmm. of, of my car. And he was like, oh, you DJ? I was like, yeah, I sure do. Mm-hmm. He was like, you should come DJ, you know, in between in between the, the band breaks. And I was like, you know what? I will come DJ. However, only way I'm going to DJ is if you promise me that you're going to give my band a night. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> he kept his word and he did. And soon as I got on stage. I didn't even have a band. <laughs> I knew a few people. <laughs> I knew a few people. <laughs> I knew a few people that I could piece together. Mm-hmm. And um, we pieced them together and um, they were spect- spectacular musicians. And even now in their career, they're like off with Stevie and just a whole bunch of people. But as soon as I, I got on stage, Stevie comes down. Wow. And he's like, Oh my God, the the stage is on fire. He was just overwhelmed with with gratitude and, and the emotion that was put into the music. So that's my story with Stevie. But that's how I got started here in the in the music on the music scene mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Now, when did the DJing start though? Because you had always been a singer. I mean, you're still obviously a beautiful singer, but when mm-hmm. did that uh become part of your offerings? So in the, the hustler form that I am. <laughs> I was in my mind. So back in Houston at the club, we, we, we would write a general list of songs. But according to what, who was in the audience, what age, what uh, sex, what nationality, I learned how to read an audience. So I was like, I need to learn how to take this same thing of what I'm doing as a singer and transfer it to records. That way I can have another wow. form of income. I felt like there was no black, uh, there's not a lot of black female DJs that play. My concentration is funk. I love funk, love old school music. I love that. I mean, I do everything, but those, those, that's what I'm passionate about. So there's not, there wasn't any of that. And so I was like, I'm going to teach myself. I had one lesson. I had to, uh, he taught me the basics and I was in my garage, just like getting ready to come to LA. I was like, I'm going to do this. I need another source of income to offer. So that's what basically happened. I, I needed to, I needed to be different and I needed to, cause I felt like a lot of black girls could sing. Both, over half of the black females that I know can hold a note. I was like, I need to offer something besides just singing. Mm-hmm. 
Wow, really worked out. It did really innovative and that entrepreneurial spirit in you, you know, realizing the next thing I need to do, (laughs) what else can I do to get to the multiple streams of, of Mm -hmm. income? That's, that's, that's really, um, a really interesting story. Now, a couple of other musicians, singers who have been on this podcast have talked about how to safely do live performance in the era that we are in right now. You know, people are trying to teach in the pandemic. They're trying to do all kinds of things. uh, And it just hasn't been Mm -hmm. safe to gather. And we've been getting a lot of mixed messages about what we can do, what we can't do and when and what's open and what's closed. How are you doing with all of this? Um, what are you doing too, to uh, keep live music in front of people and have opportunities for yourself and your peers to, mm-hmm. to perform? How is COVID <laughs> treating you? Oh God, listen, COVID. I feel like there was three stages of COVID that I, that I experienced. The first one was disbelief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the second one was, Okay, I'm accepting it. And then the third one was depression. I was like, Lord Jesus, I, I'm not a depressed person. But I think when the Black Lives Matter hit, it really affected me. It was just like, this is too much. Um, and now I'm in the fourth stage, which is I'm finding my I'm finding my peace and find and getting centered, getting closer with my spirituality and my spiritual energy. From inside, not just Myra, who I am as a person, but really having that quiet time to connect with myself. My friend and I, my partner and I, she's a friend, and then we became partners. Uh, her name is Crystal Starr. We basically decided in at the end of last summer that we needed to figure out a way that we can still perform, because she's an entertainer too, and we can offer healing to the community. Because so many people were hurting, so many people were dying, so many people were and still is sick. We put up together, we put our money together, and we decided to put on an event called Roll Up Concerts. Um, The very first one that we did, we didn't charge uh, the community. We basically offered everybody is free to come in. Well, we only charge people that wanted to be on the front row, which was VIP. But everybody else was free to be in. And basically, it's a drive-in concert where you don't have to get out your car. You basically tune in and listen to uh, the show on the, on the radio station. And you can you, you have the visual in front of you. And if you like to get out, you can. Her nonprofit organization, which is Little Voices for Foster Kids, they uh, sponsored everyone who attended a free meal. And it was just so gratifying to see elderly people there. There were, there were young people, there were kids, there were every, everybody. But the, the ones that touched me the most were the elderly that had been stuck in their house for like six, seven months and couldn't go anywhere, like even to the grocery store. They were able to come to the concert, stay in their car, roll up the window and listen and see and feel that energy. And when when this lady told me that, I literally I'm so sensitive. I'm a I'm a I'm a Leo, but I'm a sensitive Leo. I was about to cry now. Um, she told when she told me that it just touched my heart so much because I feel like my my ministry is healing through music, and that's not when I say ministry. I'm not talking about in a religious aspect, but just my gift yes. is. Um, 
to heal. Mm-hmm. It's all, it, money is great. I love money, but it's not, that's not my first, that's, that's not what first that, that matters to me. I want to, I want to heal and I want to be able to, to touch you in a way that you, you haven't been touched or if you're feeling down, it, it's not just me singing a song. I want to make a connection, you know? Yeah. So when she said that, I was like, oh man, this is great. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm, we have to do more of these. So it became a thing. And then they shut us down. Well, not shut us down, but the city of Los Angeles, they went, we went back into, <laughs> you know, we went back into uh, quarantine. Everything was locked down. We wanted to do a few more shows. So just recently, when the, within the last three months, we started doing what they call what we call secret sessions. And um, my band and I, we used to host a jam session every Sunday night in Culver City at 77 Lounge. And that happens no more. So we took that idea and we brought it to people's backyards. So we go and we pimp out the whole backyard. Like, I mean, lights, sound, everything, fire pits, everything. We pimp, pimp out the backyard. And um, we it's a socially distant, you have to wear your mask, just a way for musicians to come perform just to for them, for their mentals. Now, you know, not just for mine, but everybody is like breaking down right yeah. now. So it's just been a blessing to be able to have that mindset to, first of all, that it's not just about me. Um, I think sometimes artists get caught up in the me factor. But for me, I, I want to get some. But I have so many other musician friends that need, like they rely if they don't do that, they will go to drugs or they will go to alcohol, whatever their thing is. So it's it's an honor for me to be able to supply that. That's fantastic. So yeah. that's the thing we've been working on. So you're getting cooperation then yeah. uh, for this from the venues, the cities, you know, all the folks you have to have to check mm-hmm. the box for you to say it's okay. That's going okay. Yes. Now the first time we didn't we don't know what was needed. We was just like. <laughs> Can we do this? He said yes. He was so gracious. He he gave us the um, the parking lot, and it was a community event. So we were just like, let's go for it. This time is a little bit more logistics involved because it's at the mall, so it's a little bit more you know detail oriented. And so I, it's just you know two minority women trying to make make something out of nothing. Make um, because they they are drive throughs, but there's none catered to. The culture, you know what yeah. I mean? Our culture. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are filling the need. Find a need and fill it, right? It's one of the oldest yes. uh yes, guidance guiding principles of of good business. Um, so you've been doing okay, you've been feeling good, mm-hmm. you look great, you sound great. Thank you. Uh, you know, I I'm happy that um you have found some connectivity with the community their willingness to do these kinds of things, to pull together. I'm really moved by what you said about musicians needing this as much as the audiences crave the music. Uh, performers, musicians, they they right. need to perform. It's, it's life, you know? And when you deny Absolutely. that to people, uh, it can have really devastating effects. So it's nice to, to know that, that you're trying oh. to pull all this stuff together and that you are doing it. Uh, when, whenever it's possible, yeah. people need to know where to find Ms. Myra Washington's material. 
so they can check you out, listen to your your stuff. Uh, where are you? Okay. Tell everybody where you're at online, where you're at on social media. Where should they look for you? Okay, so my website is She Sings and DJ, but my band is Loudest Funk. And um, we are like a, we're a new school version of the old school. We are inspired by the greats and we just kind of take that and put it to where music is now and make it, make it mesh together, make people from all, all walks of life and ages appreciate it. And it doesn't sound stale, but it doesn't sound generic either. It doesn't, you know what I mean? That it's not, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, you have some records that you, oh, I can tell this was made in 1960 or 1970. It doesn't have that effect. It it, it just transcends from then to now. Mm-hmm. Um, the band is called Loudest Funk. You can follow the band at loudassfunkband underscore um, on Instagram. My Instagram is she sings and DJ. Everything for me is she sings and DJ. Um I started also making these masks. I have a few over there, but I started to, it actually started for my mental health at first. <laughs> and then I started selling them and then it's just like, it took over. Yeah. And I'm like, oh Lord, every time I hear that Etsy, my Etsy account go off, I'm like, me, oh my God, I got to make another mask. So it's just, it's been great, <laughs> but it's just been, <laughs> it's been a lot. Cause I'm one of those people, like, I don't want nobody to help me. I need to do it by myself. Cause it's my name going on this. So the great thing is that I don't have to, I don't have to have a roommate right now. I'm here by myself. It's quiet. I get to hear my thoughts and become just more connected with myself, you know? So it's been an experience and I'm learning to be grateful in the moment because who knows what's, what's about to happen. So just learning how to take it one day at a time instead of worrying about what's about to happen. Yeah, that's that's a good place to be uh, because worrying doesn't solve anything mm-hmm. and it makes you sick. <laughs> At all. It does. So, you know. You are so right about it. Yes, indeed. Well, you are, uh, you have a very inspiring story. Young girl, young woman Thank having you. a dream and pursuing it. And, you know, I'm here, I'm doing mm-hmm. it. I'm going to do what I can to to make it so and helping others along the way. That's, that's, that's gold. So Myra Washington, DJ Karma Camille, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You don't understand. I really appreciate it. It it makes me happy. I appreciate the, the opportunity. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to contact us at SoCalVoices.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SoCal Voices.